Good morning, I'm Pastor Jeff. It's good to be here. I woke up this morning, as probably many of you did, and was surprised to see a a lot of white outside. And that means you have to shovel and do all that stuff, so I'm glad that you're all here and have shoveled your driveways and everything. Some of you are laughing, you probably haven't done that yet, hey? I have a good friend named Rob, and he tells me about a couple of dramatic experiences where he explicitly heard God's voice, God's call. And this is how I remember it. One of those times he was sitting on a mountain overlooking a valley in Mexico. He had taken teams of youth down from, from his church and from other churches down to this valley and he had grown to love this valley and the people in it, and, and he, he started with a church, and he started to work together with that church and people that in their congregation that were in desperate situations, and they, he would bring a team down and build a house for them, and then he would um, gather more church, like he, his network expanded, so he had more churches, and so he would bring down teams of youth. And as he grew to love this these people, the the churches that he was working with, he was overlooking the valley from the mountain and just praying, Lord, what's next? And then then he just heard God's voice and he he lay down and, and, uh, and listened to his voice and told him what was next. Another time he said, told me about being in the shower and this, he was physically and metaphorically naked and vulnerable before God in the shower. And he was just pouring out his heart to God and and all of a sudden God's voice struck him and he fell to his knees, water pouring over him and God's voice in his ears. And we've been exploring God's call and we've seen how God has called specific people in the Old Testament kind of like that in dramatic ways. God told Noah to build this massive ark on the land when they'd never seen a flood before. And so he's, he's told to build this massive thing because a big flood is going to come. God called uh, Abraham to leave his family and his place and, and everything he knew and just get up and go. Where? I'll tell you. I'll tell you later. And then we looked at how God called Moses from this burning bush. It was burning but not being burned up. And, and then all of a sudden God's voice came out and told Moses, you're going to go and free the people from the slavery. And And then how he called Joshua to be the next leader after an amazing leader like Moses and be strong and courageous. And then we looked at how Rahab was called to reject her false god, the god of the Jericho people, and unite with the god of these spies that that she was able to help. And and she recognized the call and, and put her trust in the god of the spies and the god of the Israelites. And, And so if you're anything like me, you can learn from these stories. You know there's, there's a lot to learn, and we've talked about some of those things. One, one of the things we talked about is how God calls us in three different ways. He, he calls everyone. There's a universal call. He offers forgiveness, his very self, to anyone who has ears to hear it and chooses to listen and to respond. And then secondly, for those who do believe, he says, go deeper. Be shaped by this relationship. Allow it to change you and walk with me. And then thirdly, he calls us to divine assignments. There may be one that, 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 that God calls us to, and, and we saw how uh, one of our missionaries, Walter Grob, his call was to, to be in 
Cameroon, but I think he calls us to specific divine assignments at different times based on our personality and our gifting and the people around us. And so he's put us where we are because we are the people that the people around us need because of our specific personality and, and everything. But again, if you're anything like me, you, you, another part of you wonders, these are dramatic calls, where's mine? How do I tune in? How do I hear this dramatic call? Like Rob in the shower falling down and, and, and hearing God's voice in his ears or like Moses, you know, being called from a burning bush. Where, where's my experience like that? Well, I think today's story might resonate with some of us a little bit more because it's a story about normal people going about their normal lives and recognizing God's call, maybe even not in the moment. God isn't mentioned hardly at all in this book of Ruth that we're going to be looking at. Yet his work in the story is evident. His, as the story unfolds, God's divine guidance through the whole, thi- whole thing becomes evident. And there's this uh, high, uh, dynamic relationship between God's divine plan and the choices of humans. So I want to dive into the story, but before we do, I'm going to give you a homework assignment, all right? Class, this is your homework assignment for today or tomorrow. Sometime in the next couple days, I would like you to read the story of Ruth. It's four chapters. It might take you 15 minutes to half an hour. And we're not going to read the whole thing today. I'm going to tell you the story. We're going to look at a few verses, but I want you to read it on your own. And then it'll kind of reinforce some of the things we talked about. And I want you to ask the Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? What's my assignment? Uh, Please reveal more. And, and so you can listen to it on your phone app or you can read it, but I'd really encourage you to read it, okay? Ready to do that? I see everybody nodding, yes, yes. We're really happy to do that, right? All right, let's dive in and we'll t- I'll tell the story, but we'll start reading a few verses in Ruth 1. So Ruth 1, verses 1 through 5, we'll read. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malin and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went out to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Moab's, or Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malin and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So the context of this story is set in the time of the judges. And this was an interesting time. We, we'd read about Joshua and how he was let, told to lead the people into the land of Israel, the, the land that God promised to the Israelites. And the story of the, the book of Joshua tells how they came in and settled the land. And then the book of Judges comes right after the book of Joshua in our Bibles, and it's after Joshua died. The next generation came up, and they started worshiping other gods, the gods of the people around them. They stopped listening or or reading God's word, and they were were just involved with what the people around them were doing. And then they would get in trouble, and then the people around would attack and they'd get in a desperate situation, they'd cry out to God and God would raise up a judge, a leader, 
who would rescue them and lead them, and then when the judge died, they would do the same thing again. It was a desperate and messy time for the nation of Israel. And the story of Ruth is set in this time before a human king had been established to rule. There was a famine in the land, and it's interesting that there's a famine in the land, and they say that they lived in Bethlehem because Bethlehem means house of bread, but they couldn't find any bread because there was no food. And so this family, Elimelech, Naomi, Malin, and Kilion, they're hungry, they can't find food, so they decide to, uh, to go looking for food, and they end up in the land of Moab. And it's interesting that they end up in Moab because Moab is the land of ancient enemies of Israel. And yet that's where they find food and that's where they settle during the famine in Bethlehem. Now, did God call this family to Moab? We don't really know. It doesn't tell us. It sure doesn't seem like that would be what God calls them to do, especially since what happens next is Naomi's husband dies, her, both of her sons die, and she's left in this desperate situation. She's in a foreign land. The only family she has around her is her daughters-in-law. And for a woman to be alone in this time, in this male-dominated hierarchical culture, there's a dangerous place to be. Not a good place for someone who's sad and grieving, who's a woman and a widow, she's probably going to be reduced to begging and poverty. Verse six provides a little hope. You're gonna read this on your own, so I won't read it, but Naomi uh, finds out that God has reversed the situation that they left 10 years ago. There's no longer a famine, There's, God has provided food. And so she and her daughters-in-law pack up their, their stuff and they start the journey back to Bethlehem, back for Naomi for the first time for her daughters-in-law. Well, somewhere on the journey, Naomi turns to her daughters-in-law and she, she tells them, you should go back. Go back to your families. Go back to your land. Go back to where you can find a, a husband that will take care of you. And, and she says, I don't have any more sons that you can marry that, that, you can, that will take care of you. I, 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 even if you wait, I won't have any children that grow up to be men that you can marry. It will be better for you if you go. You'll have much more, many more options. For with me, it's, it's, it's a pretty desperate situation. Well, Orpah decides to go back. It's a logical thing to do. But Ruth, she commits herself to Naomi. And she says in chapter 1, verse 16 of Ruth, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. In this statement, Ruth demonstrates an amazing character of love and loyalty and commitment to Naomi. But she also reveals something deeper. This is a time where different nations and different people groups had different gods. And so if you were Moabites, you had your gods. And then you'd think, oh, the Israelites, they just have their god and, and these other people have their gods. And for her to... <coughs> Commit herself to Naomi is one thing, but then to commit to her God, she is completely changing allegiance from, from her people and her way of life and her upbringing and her gods to the God of Israel. She's aligning with Israel and with the God of Israel. So this is an amazing demonstration 
of her love and loyalty to Naomi, but also her recognition of God's call to her as she's willing to listen. So they go to Bethlehem and they get there and the people, are, they're excited to see Naomi. But Naomi says, don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She recognizes God's hand. And it's, life isn't looking very great for Naomi. But it's harvest season. So Ruth goes out to glean in a field behind the harvesters. And it just so happens that she's gleaning, just so happens. I wonder what that means. It just so happens that she's gleaning in the field of Boaz. Boaz is a, is a relative of Naomi's dead husband. And he's also a kinsman redeemer. This makes him a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer is a male relative who has the responsibility to help or deliver when, when their relative is in a, in a poor position or a weak position or in, in a dangerous position. Well, Boaz turns out to be this morally good, kind, and generous man who notices Ruth. He doesn't know that he's the kinsman redeemer at this point. But he sees Ruth and he provides a meal for her. And he tells her that you can glean all you want in the field and stay in my field. It'll be safe for you there. Well, Naomi, when she finds out that Ruth has been gleaning in Boaz's field, there's a glint of hope in her response. She encourages Ruth to keep gleaning there, and so Ruth does. She gleans there through the wheat and the barley harvests, and she lives with Naomi and cares for Naomi while she's there. And Naomi's affection for Ruth has grown, Ruth's affection for Naomi has grown, and Ruth is taking care of Naomi, and Naomi wants to care for Ruth's future. So she hatches a plan. And it's interesting how both of these women have committed to care for the other's needs and wants and desires more than their own. They demonstrate a wonderful, loyal, self-giving love. Well, the, the, the plan she hatches uh, involves Ruth changing. She's been a grieving widow and she's been dressing as a grieving widow and she's been acting as a grieving widow and Naomi says it's time to look ahead. And her plan is to make Ruth attractive to Boaz and to show Boaz that she's available to be married and wants to be married. But her plan is risky because it makes Ruth vulnerable. Boaz could easily take advantage of her. But Ruth trusts Naomi and Naomi trusts the character of Boaz. And there's this unwritten trust that they have that God is at work in the whole thing. Well, it turns out that their plan works. Boaz is excited about marrying Ruth and he says to her, the Lord bless you, my daughter. Now this is interesting that he says my daughter, but this is a term of affection. It's a kindly address. Doesn't necessarily mean that he, he views her as his daughter that he's going to marry. But he says, the Lord bless you. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am your guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. So Boaz, he, he's excited about this prospect, but he realizes, being the man of integrity that he is, that there's a kinsman redeemer that's next in line before him. And so he has to go and, and, and find out if he wants to 
to redeem the land that's, that's being sold by Naomi and, and redeem Ruth. And I know this sounds a little bit bad to us, like Ruth is property, and, and she's not property. But this is a time and culture where that's how things worked. And, and within this time and culture, Boaz, Boaz demonstrates something unique where he, he talks to Ruth as, as an equal. And he commends her for her noble character and he goes out of his way to follow up on her request for marriage. So Boaz, he goes to the closer kinsman redeemer and at first it seems that this other man's gonna take the responsibility of, of taking the field. He'll redeem the land. But then when he hears that he has to redeem Moabite, the, the Moabite widow as well, and he, he says, I cannot redeem it because my, I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. So Boaz redeems the land and he marries Ruth. And the whole story ends with a bunch of reversals. A woman who's desperate, in a desperate situation, Naomi, she ends up with a daughter-in-law who is better than seven sons. Listen to what the women say about her in Ruth 4, verse 14. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guard, guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better than, to you than seven sons has given him birth. Ruth, Ruth and Boaz, they have a, have a baby boy and this baby boy turns out to be the grandfather of the great King David. So this Moabite woman becomes the great-grandmother of the king of Israel who was the one that all the next kings were measured against. And even more, Ruth, this foreigner, this Moabite woman, becomes one of five women listed in the genealogy of the greatest kinsman redeemer in the history of the world. Jesus was born of the lineage of King David, her great-grandson. And he is a kinsman redeemer. Jesus is a kinsman redeemer because he redeems any who choose to accept his forgiveness, his gift of rescue that he offered when he came and he died on the cross, taking all of our sin and our guilt and our shame, every bad thing we've done, everything upon himself in order to redeem us, in order to forgive us. And in his resurrection, he offers life in his family, just like Boaz redeemed Ruth and brought her into the family. Jesus brings us into his family when we accept his gift. This story of Ruth is a beautiful story of normal people searching for food, helping each other out, going out of their way to care for each other. It's about loyalty and about commitment. And behind it all, the hand of God, the guidance and the power of God at work is evident. Ruth heard God's call through her relationship with Naomi. She responded to his call by committing to Naomi and committing to the God of Israel. She lived into God's call by staying true to her commitment, by loving the person in front of her. And I think her call was more about her becoming and often our, the call for each of us is us becoming who God wants us to be, ready to take on any divine assignment, any person in front of us who's in need, who we can give of ourselves 
and, and demonstrate loyalty and love to. Naomi is another person who trusted God and stayed true to him in her desperate situation. Boaz demonstrates faithfulness and love and loyalty to God's call and his character and his action. Each of the players in this story are beautiful examples of loyalty and commitment and love and staying true to God's call. God's call is not always dramatic and glamorous. We may not hear him like my buddy Rob or like Moses. He can feel, it, it can be subtle. His hand can be at work within our story as we remain faithful, as we remain loyal. And just like each of those person, people in this story, we, our call is to go out of our way for the people God has around us, to be faithful and loving to the people around us, to look for ways to bless and care for the people that he's put us in, into our sphere of influence, where we live, where we work, here. Sometimes our call is just to be ready for what's next in our story. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful story, this story about normal people going about their normal lives and yet remaining true to you and open to your call and willing to do what you ask. God, may we be, may we be people like that. May we stay true to your call to walk with you and be ready to listen whatever you nudge us or, or help us to understand. Even if we look back and say, oh, that was his call. Thank you for this story and for your love for us. In your name we pray, amen.